Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Repeatedly 
repeatedly giving us signs for you to go follow me. <laughs> Just daily, Father, we thank you that even this last week, you just gave us an opportunity to see a facility for our daughter to go to a, an amazing school. Thank you. You gave us people after people, testimony after testimony. So even as stubborn as I can be, Father, you made sure that I knew that's where we need to go. Father, you, you, are just, you care so much that you make sure that we're guided. Yes, we're always in front of us, We thank you for your leadings. We thank you for your words. We thank you that our hearts are open to see. We thank you, Father. Alright, let's give uh, a thanks, clap offering for our pianist, worship leader today. Let him know that you appreciate him waking up so early on Sundays to get down here. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, Millennium, uh, I think you're the only one that doesn't have one of these. I wasn't sure if your family was going to come, your brother and stuff, so I brought extras. So they could sit. The kids could sit. Uh... You, the, you got the best seat because you got the, that piano like a giant desk, you know. <laughs> oh, you can't lean back, yeah. If you lean back, you'll be playing the guitar back there. Oh, you're all right. Amen. We do have some donuts there for you. We saved a couple. <laughs> Amen. Let me just say that my job, in my you know belief, my job as a pastor is to preach a balanced doctrine. So there's a lot of people out there that will preach their opinion and their view on Scripture. But there's a lot of things in Scriptures that are, are, are debatable. There's other schools of thought, other denominations, other theologies and philosophies. So when we get to those kind of subjects, I like to teach both sides. And I don't want to necessarily force you to believe my way. I want you to be like the Bereans. And the Bible says they studied the word daily. They studied daily, you know, to, to see if these things were true. So I want all of you to be Bereans, to study the word, to see if these things are true. And I want to give you uh, both sides of the fence, you know. That's why I don't teach a lot about revelation and prophecy, because in uh, the book of Revelation and prophecy, there's so many different opinions. Even in the charismatic circles, there's a lot of opinions. Uh, however, I, I'd like to, if I do teach it, to teach both sides. That's why last Sunday I, I explained to you that many people don't believe in the rapture and why. And then I explained to you why I do believe in the rapture and why it is the most biblical point of view. And I gave you guys all the differences between the, the return of Christ and the, the rapture and the second coming. Those are all different. And we laid them out very clearly, undisputably. You know? So even though in our charismatic circle, Pentecostal circle, there's still different views. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't want to be dogmatic in necessarily, and you have to believe it this way, you have to believe it that way. My job is to kind of lay it all out for you. And so we did this with the pre-Adamic earth, and we did this with the uh, young earth versus the old earth. We did that last year uh, around Christmas time. And the reason why I did it is because that is very important. Why is it very important? Because if you take the young earth view, which most Christians, almost almost all Christians, I mean, if you, if you talk about the body of Christ, most Christians believe in the young earth, that the earth is just uh, 6,000 years old, that uh, the dinosaurs were here with Adam and Eve. That's what most Christians in the world believe. Unfortunately, the rest of the planet earth that doesn't believe in God, the other like 5 billion or whatever that don't believe in God, one of the core reasons they don't believe in God is because of this very narrow belief that the earth is 6,000 years old. And so for the Europeans, the North Americans, even like I just recently met a Liberian. He's a scientist and says, I don't believe in God because I'm a scientist. Well, one of the main reasons why educated people don't believe in God is because the idea of a young earth is ludicrous, is complete foolishness to educated people. So that's why I took the time to show another theology that really was, you know, is taught by Benny Hinn, is taught by me, is taught by uh, Finnis Dake. It's, it's, it's believed by a lot, of, a, a few of the generals in the charismatic church. But I laid out in our teaching about war in the heavenlies, I laid out the pre-Adamic earth, the old earth, and, and so forth. And because, and if you ever read my book, Reality Religion, I, actually, I wrote about this in one of the chapters of my book. So if you read my book, you'll see it's in one of my book, one of my chapters. But I take the time to do that, even though it's controversial, because I want to show both perspectives as a pastor, that's my job. But I really want to show you my perspective on that, because that is the missing link to reach the rest of the world. You know, if you can prove to a scientist, to an atheist, to an educated North American or, or European Anglo-Saxon people that the Bible is true and that using the old earth view and the pre-Adamic earth view, that actually fills in the gaps to their, their science because they know the earth was froze, but they don't know why the earth was froze. They know that it, you know, there was things that happened. They knew there were dinosaurs, but they were extinct, but they don't know why they were extinct. So taking the, the pre-Adamic view that Satan's fall was before Adam and Eve, which of course, if you study scripture seriously, you find no record in scripture as to where did Lucifer fall. We, he just pops up in the Garden of Eden. But where was that great war in the heavenlies where Satan was cast down with two-thirds of the angels, or, or one-third, excuse me, one-third of the angels? When did that happen? Because he just pops up in Genesis chapter 3 out of nowhere. Well, obviously, it had to happen before Genesis chapter 3. Well, it's not in the narrative of the six days of creation. So when and where did he fall? So it fills in all the theological gaps, and it makes a bridge. And I've led so many atheists, so many people that were, you know, scientists and so on, 
I've led so many people to Christ and they've gotten born again and became believers in Jesus simply by showing them the pre-Adamic teaching and doctrine, which I personally believe is the most biblical view. However, it's considered kind of a fringe view. So my job is not teach you just my view, but to teach you both and let you decide. Okay. So, and the same thing when it comes to revelation and prophecy and all these things. And that's why when I taught about laying out of hands, I explained to you how I don't like pushing. I don't want you pushing people. If we're having altar services, so on, I don't want to call you up to pray for someone and you push them. I will correct you right away. However, I emphasized on the balance to that. If you recall, those of you that were here, and I talked to you about Smith Wigglesworth, how he would punch people. And I talked to you about, you know, uh, Oral Roberts. How when he laid hands on uh, one of my pastors, Frank Summerall, he, he you know, he, he liable to knock them out. He laid hands on them so hard. And then I talked to you how Luke 9, 1, uh, when Jesus gave them, it meant to, to strike them on the head with his palm. You know, so I taught you both views. So there might be a time that you're led to slap, kick, punch, push somebody, and you just better make sure it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't find yourself trying to be super spiritual. You know that's where you got to be led by the Spirit. Yes, you got to. You know, if you have a word of a word of knowledge to do that, then you, by, by all means you need to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a word, you need to just lay off. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that these guys had a word of knowledge telling them to do it. And I don't know about you, Pastor Dave, but. In my life, I've seen a lot of people thinking they're being led by the Spirit and do stupid things. I've seen walk up to a man in a wheelchair and slap him out of his wheelchair. And he said, when I slap you, the power of God's going to come on you and you're going to run around this church. And there were 6,000 people in attendance. Everyone was shouting. He slapped the guy out of his chair. Out of his wheelchair, a crippled guy. And the guy, uh, you know, he didn't get healed. Yeah. And then he said... Come on, use your faith. Get up, use your faith. I'm going to slap you again. He slapped him again. Twice. Each time knocking over the wheelchair. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Didn't put that on tape. He deleted the tapes on that. If that tape would have got out in the public, could you imagine the controversy? Oh, my God. It wouldn't be a controversy if he got up and walked. Yeah. You know, but, you know, so... We find a lot of young ministers, they try in thinking they're led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Thinking it's the Holy Spirit. They, they try to, to do things like that, and it's not the Holy Spirit. So we want to give room for you to do something like that. But we want to really emphasize how to really make sure that's the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and not you. Because that, that was terrible. Absolutely terrible, you know. Smith Wigglesworth... Like I told you the story, he kicked the baby across the church. That is even worse. But the baby, first of all, was already dead. He was born stillbirth. So, you know, so the baby was already dead. So it wouldn't hurt the baby. And secondly, the baby woke, the baby came to life when it hit the ground. He kicked it like a football. Went all the way across the church, the baby, that baby hit the ground. And when it hit the ground, it came to life, you know. So... Wisdom is justified by her children, the Bible says. Wisdom is justified by her children. What that means is the fruits prove if it was God. Oh, I'm called to do this. 
All right, well, if the fruits are there, if it works out, then we know that was God. If it doesn't work out, we know that was just you. And we're not saying had a bad intention. He really wanted to heal this guy. It was just, you know, he missed it, you know. So if you're going to punch somebody, slap somebody, kick somebody, you don't want to miss that one. I mean, that, that's something you don't want to miss. You know what I mean? Now, uh, if we get to teaching on the gift of faith, I'll teach on how to know when to do that. Because that kind of demonstration actually is a gift of faith in operation. And uh, one of the things that, um, that I like Kenneth Hagin brought out when, you talk, when he talks about the word of knowledge the, the, the key word in that word of knowledge is the, is the know in the knowledge. You don't have to guess, is this the Holy Spirit? Is this God? Let me check it. Let me pray about it. Get, you know, come on, Lord, is that you? When you have a real word of knowledge, there is no doubt. There's no hesitancy. There's no doubt. And that is, that is the springboard of where those kind of gifts operate out of. It's not a questioning, I think, you know, it's... If you're hesitant about it, it's most likely not God. You know, but when we find ourselves trying to be spiritual, that's the problem. When you find yourself trying to be spiritual, trying to be like esoteric, trying to be supernatural, you know, <laughs> just give that up, you know. It has to really be, a, a, you know, a, 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 a word from the Lord. Don't try to be spiritual, you know. But make yourself available to God, and God will lead you to do uh, things like this, you know, you know. There's the Bible's full of of of, of things where God says, "Do like this, and do like that, and do like the take take the blood, sacrifice the animal, take the blood, put it on the doorpost." The Bible's full of these kind of things, you know, when you're doing something prophetic. But when you try and do it in your flesh, it yeah. becomes goofiness, you know. So we want you guys to be mature. We want you to be supernatural. We want you to to operate in the gifts. And so, with that said. Uh, you and you may not like it, and you know, and if you don't, who cares? I don't care. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bust your chops on things. If I see you give a word or you miss it or a word of knowledge, I'm gonna start to call you out, you know, privately, and I'll say hey, you missed it because I let a lot of things go. But I'll say hey, you totally missed this one. You totally missed that one. Why? Just so you can exercise your spirit, just so you can exercise your accuracy, you know. And that's the only way that we can really get sharpened. But in the charismatic, friendly world, where we don't want to kind of hurt anyone's feelings, and we just kind of, you know, don't say anything, it doesn't help you grow. The purpose of this, you know, ministry here, this church here, is to really activate you and help you grow. So I don't mind if you slap somebody, you punch somebody, you kick someone. I just want to make sure that there's fruit out of it, okay? If you push someone, I really want to, you know. But if you're always pushing somebody, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's you. And I'm not going to say who, but there's, there was somebody that we all know that was always pushing people. Always pushing people all the time. And I was getting so many complaints about them pushing somebody. And, uh, and every time I ask, hey, why are you pushing somebody? They say, well, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I had to, they were rebellious. They weren't receiving, you know. And, you know. No, it's just not God. But let's just make sure it's God. So I want you guys to not only practice laying on of hands, but I want you guys to practice not doing it hard. Now, like I said in the, when I taught this a few weeks ago, Or Roberts laid hands on people hard. R.W. Shambach laid hands on people hard. T.L. Lowry 
lay hands on people hard. These are all generals. There's nothing wrong with that. But these guys had fruits. Yeah. I mean, these guys laid hands on people hard and they were healed and they were delivered and they were, you know what I mean? So let's practice being gentle. Yes. Let's practice the Benny Hinn flow, okay? We'll practice the Benny Hinn flow. You know, Benny Hinn's very light, very gentle, you know. He'll just put his fingers on their chin, you know. You know how Benny Hinn does. Or wave at him. Yeah, let's practice the Benny Hinn flow. Let's believe God for that. Why? Not because laying hands on somebody hard can't do a miracle, but we don't want other people to accuse the Pentecostal world of pushing people down. That's right. We want people to say, wow, that was God. He didn't even touch him. That's what we want people to say. And we've had this happen, scenario happen so many times. One time I was ministered to a group of Mongolians that came to Beijing. And this girl kept on swearing to God. I was pushing her down. And I was not even touching her. I was just coming close to her head. So what we did is we said, okay. I told her friend, film it with the phone. So she got out the phone. And we said, okay, close, lift up your hands. And she always closed her eyes. You know, she, she should have kept her eyes open, I guess, you know. But she would close her eyes. She'd always close her eyes. And her friend would take the phone and film her. It was Davka. You guys remember Davka? Uh-huh. So we'd film her, and I would go to lay hands on her, and boom, she'd fall down. And then she would say, you did it again. You pushed me again. And we said, no, look. And we showed her the film. She's like, ah. Try it again, Pastor. Try it again, Pastor. <laughs> I, so I, I, I had to do that like five times on film. For her to believe that I wasn't pushing her down. You know what I mean? So those accusations still might come. Even if you push them on the chin gently. I have a good friend of mine. He's Church of God. He's he's, anointed. You know, he's been around the body of Christ. He still thinks, after years of ministry, full time, he still thinks that pastors who knock people down a lot, that they have like some kind of trick that they do with their hand. Like they kind of, like a Vulcan grip, like a... You know, like a Star, not Star Wars, like a Star Trek. You know, like they do something here and then they collapse. You know who I'm talking about. I, he, my friend still genuinely believes that there's some kind of trick that preachers do, like some kind of gypsy magic that they do to get people to fall down. <laughs> they, and they love the Lord and they believe in the Holy Ghost. It's just, you know, that for some reason people get weird with these things. You know, it is an operation. It's a doctrine. It's supernatural. And you don't have to punch, kick, and hit somebody hard to operate in that. And I want to see all you guys operating, knocking people out in the Holy Ghost and getting them healed and delivered. And remember, one of the foundation things I want you to remember, that the, all that we've taught in the last few weeks, I'm just recapping, is that the falling out in the Spirit is a ministry, it's, called, it's, it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's ministering the Spirit. It's ministering the Spirit. It doesn't mean that that person would get healed. It doesn't mean that that person uh, per se would get a specific miracle outside of the manifestation of being receiving the, the, the Holy Spirit touch. Okay? And this is very important that I remind you of this and that you get this you file that away in your spiritual memory bank because this is a very big problem. Someone comes up with cancer, they're terminally ill, they're about to die. You lay hands on them, they fall out, 
then they die. And you think, what happened? I prayed for them and they fell out in the spirit. How did they die? Or someone comes up to get prayer and they don't fall down at all. It looks like nothing happened. And they come back from the doctor that the cancer is completely gone. Because the ministry of the spirit, being slain in the spirit, being touched by the spirit, is not the same as the gift of healing. They're actually different administrations. So you can, you can not have anybody fall down, but do a lot of miracles. And in the ministry of John Alexander Dowie, there was not a, a lot of the slain in the spirit phenomenon. But John Alexander Dowie had about 100% healings in his ministry. And John Alexander Dowie wouldn't pray. And I'm not saying you should do this, but if you study his life and you read his doctrine, he would not lay hands on everyone and pray for everyone that was sick. He would first make them repent of their sins. Yes. And, he, and if he felt that you would go back to your sin, he would refuse to pray for you. Mm-hmm. If he felt that you were just going to say, yes, I repent, I forgive me, I won't do it again. But he felt like you weren't genuine or you would go back, he would refuse to pray for you. Not saying that's doctrine, not saying that's biblical, but he had about 100% healing. Chew on it, come up with your own conclusions, you know. Maybe there is something to it. I don't know. It might be, yeah, it might be, you, you know, just something to chew on. It might be the principle more than the method. Yeah. You don't have to put your head in a box for the Have a Great Revival. Amen. But what was behind that? Yeah. What was behind it was he didn't want to be seen. It wasn't about him. He just wanted people to, to meet God. That was what behind it. Dowie, you know, what was behind it? A genuine heart of repentance and turning towards God. That's what was behind it. You know, and the extreme picture of it was how they did it, what they did, you know. But uh, chew on it. I'm not saying that's, that's, I'm just putting a fact out there that you need to think about, you know. People didn't fall down, though. They got healed of all kinds of crazy sicknesses, diseases. He pulled tumors right out of people's body. But they didn't get slain in the spirit. Nowadays, we have tons of people saying the Spirit, but they're dying of diseases. You know? You have people that fall down and run. Well, you have that that happens too, but but outside of that, why do the people fall out and not get healed? Because it's a different ministry, you know? Uh, I really love, like, Pastor Augustine. He's really hungry and going after the the, the healing, going after healing, the gifts of healing, the gifts of healing. Uh, What you hunger for, you will attract. What you hunger for, you will attract. What you hunger for will come to you, okay? So I have always hungered for the falling out. I just, because that was a phenomenon that when I first got saved and I saw that, I was like, whoa, like that, that I mean, that blew me away. When I first went into a spirit-filled church, it was Bill Winston's church, and I saw him laying hands on people and they are falling down, I was like, wow, like... To me, it was like he was Superman, you know. That so impressed me. And then, you know, I would try to pray for people and they wouldn't fall out at all. You know, then I read this book and then I wanted to cultivate that, cultivate that. So that that, that ministry of the Spirit and the falling out, the ministry of the Spirit, it's a valid ministry. It's a great ministry. It, It gives evidence to the power of God. The first time it happened to me, Rod Parsley laid hands on me. And when it first happened to me, that's when I knew 
for the first time that God was really, really real. I went to go to Rod Parsley. You guys heard of Rod Parsley? You know Rod Parsley? He was having this uh, year of Jubilee. I don't know if you were around in the 90s, but in 97, he had a year of Jubilee. And it was revival all year long. And I mean people pounding down the door, driving from across the country, flying from around the world. Thousands of people, stadium, here's a big 6,000 seat, full, overflowing, overflow every week. It was a year-long, genuine move of God, you know. Miracles. One of my friends named Bill was quadriplegic for 21 years. He worked for Attorney General Janet Reno. He was a quadriplegic. He was hit by a train on a motorcycle. Didn't walk for 21 years. He was on 19 prescribed medications. He was blind in one eye. He came to one of the uh, Parsons Miracle Services and was completely healed of everything. He was on the front page of the newspaper in uh, Maryland because he was a well-known you know, government. He, he worked for Gen- Attorney General Janet Reno in D.C. He was well-known there. And he actually um, he got involved in the quadriplegic Olympics. And he was doing a shooting uh, where you shoot a disc. They shoot a disc. And then he, he had only one eye. And with that one eye, he would shoot the disc. He was an Olympian. He won the medal and stuff like that. He competed in Seoul, Korea in the Olympics and everything. He was a well-known quadriplegic. He came into that service and totally healed by the power of God. God. You know, it was a year of revival at Rod Parsley's church, you know. And my, me and my cousins and everyone, we're like, let's drive down there. You know how when you're young in the Lord, you know. <laughs> we're like, let's go, you know. So we all jumped in, a, we piled in a car, like 10 of us. We just packed in this little car. And we drove down to Columbus, Ohio all night long, like on a Saturday night. We drove all night and we uh, showed up at the Sunday morning service. And Pastor Parsley came in like he does. Because he's always like, you know, he can't sit still. He's always like, you know. He, he comes out, you know. He comes out and he says, uh, he, he, you know, and I, we're just young believers. So we're new to all this. And we're just like, you know. You know, and he's like, he's like, uh, the whole, today God said, God, he's going to overshadow you today. Just like he overshadowed Mary. He's like, I'm going to lay hands on everyone today. All 6,000 people. So he lines up all 6,000 people, you know. He used to do this a lot, you know, just boom, 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 boom. And people are flying everywhere. You know, and he's like sweating. The sweat's pouring down. He wears his suspenders and his tie and the sweat's pouring down. He's like, sure. And he comes up to me and I said, hold on. Wait, 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 you know. I should have done that, but I was just young and I was a baby, you know. So he's laying hands on thousands of people. When he gets to me, I stop him. Stop! I'm not going to just fall down like the rest of these guys, I said. I'm not going to fake it. I said, it's got to be the real thing. I want the real thing, I told him. And he was pretty patient with me. He just looked at me like this. And then when I, when I finished my sentence, he said, you know, and what? Like that? I don't know what happened. All I remember is I woke up. Two guys were, 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 were trying to drag me <laughs> by my arms. They had my arms. They were dragging me up the carpet to bring me out of the way, you know, and they, they dragged me to a pew. And I, and I woke up. I said, oh, I don't know if I cussed or what. I was like, holy crap. That was real. <laughs> Unbelievable, you know. Now, I didn't get a healing or anything but I experienced the power of God. That was something in itself, you know. 
So I don't look down or downplay the ministry of the laying on of hands and people falling down. That in itself is an experience. It's it's powerful. It's life changing, you know. And so I want all of you guys to be able to operate and flow in that, you know. And it's even more exciting if you could do it on the streets when we're street evangelizing and street preaching and where you know we're laying hands people on the streets and they fall down. I'll tell you one more quick story. We were on the west side of Chicago, and it was the leader, the leader of the uh, I think it was the Vice Lord Gang. It was the leader of the Vice Lord Gang was on the corner with the he had this nice car. I think it was a Cadillac with rims, and he had all these gold chains, and he had all security guys around him. And uh, one little African American lady, a real short lady, you know, from our church, she walks up to them and starts preaching. And and she's like, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. It's not, you know, you need to get saved, you know. And he's like, look, lady, he said, I have everything I need. I got money. I got my guys. I got a nice car. I got women. He said, I got gold chains. He said, I don't, I don't need that. You're Jesus. And, and then she had a word of knowledge. And she had a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit said, but he doesn't have peace. Yes. Amen. And so she said, she said, but you don't have peace. And he just froze. And he started to cry. He said, you're right. He said, I have to sleep in a different hotel every night. Because people are trying to kill me. He said, I have to sleep in a different hotel every night. He said, you see that car across the street? There was another car with four guys in it. He said, those are, those are my uh, gunners, my, my shooters. He said, they, they go with me everywhere I go. He said, I, he said, I have to switch hotels every night. I can't stay in a corner for too long. I have to always be changing places, changing the cars that I drive, changing where I live. Some of these guys will change cars every, every week or so. They change a new car because they, when their car gets hot, meaning people recognize it's them in the car, they can get shot down. And he said, I don't have peace. And she says, young man, she says, Jesus, you know, you, if you get saved today, you, you're going to experience the peace of God. Amen. Can I pray for you? And she said, he said, yes. She grabbed his hand and she started praying and the power of God zapped him. Boom. He fell up. He boom, fell over on, on, on the street. And the car across the street, they pulled up. They pulled up and they jumped out four guys all with guns pointing at her. Oh, wow. They thought that he killed, she killed him. Yeah. And she's like, she, she's just, the power of God was all over her. He was, on the, he was on the floor crying. And she's like, this is not, this is, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hit, you know, whatever, attack him. She's like, this is the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And she preached to all those security guys, all those gang leaders. They prayed for them all. They all got saved. That wasn't a healing. It wasn't, you know, that type of miracle. It was the ministry of the Spirit. Amen. He was touched by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we by no means am I downplaying at all. I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I create the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I love anyone that could line them all up and knock them all down. I hate 7 out of 10, 5 out of 10. <laughs> when people don't fall down, I even get a little angry. You know, like Not angry at them, but angry at like, come on, where's the juice, Jesus? Come on, where's the juice? Because it's, it's such a very powerful manifestation of ministry, okay? So I don't want to take anything away from the laying out of hands, okay? For the ministry of the Spirit. And we're at the section now where we're talking about laying out of hands for deliverance and for healing. Because those are different administrations than the laying out of hands for the ministry of the Spirit. And my, my good friend, Pastor Reed, he always uh, t uh, he, he believes strongly and always tells me, 
that Benny Hinn's main ministry is not healing. He says that people really get more healed in the, in the corporate anointing. But his main ministry is the ministry of the Spirit. If you want to really look at who has the ministry of the Spirit in the world, is Pastor Benny Hinn. That's his ministry. And then also Pastor Chris. He showed me some videos of Pastor Chris a couple weeks ago. Very powerful. Very powerful. Thousands of people falling on. You know, I mean, just amazing. I love watching these videos. Maybe we'll show you guys some of these clips and stuff. But it's the ministry of the Spirit. It's demonstrating the power of God. Uh, you know, I, I first saw it on a mass thing was in Bunky. Bunky's Crusades. He used to just pray for people. And, and tens of thousands would fall like dominoes. So I like that. I respect that. I love that. That fascinates me. I crave that. So I developed that in my ministry. And I would go and do crusades and I would do that. Everyone would fall out. I developed that. But I never really pressed in and developed healing like he's working on. He's really pressing in for healing. you know. But whatever you respect, whatever you honor, whatever you crave... That is what you'll cultivate, you know. So I want to encourage you guys to, 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 to get activated and laying hands on people. But what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to accomplish healings? Do you want to accomplish them being slain in the spirit, experiencing a touch from God? Do you want to, them to encounter deliverance? Do you want to lay hands on deliverance? So all of these aspects, we're combing through them. Laying on of hands for impartation, which is kind of the ministry of the spirit. Or laying on of hands for healing. Or laying on of hands for gifting and empowerment. Laying on of hands. So those are the two things that I operate strong in. Uh, laying on of hands for gifting. And laying on of hands for, uh, for ministry of the spirit. For impartation for the touch of God. I don't ha- operate strongly in healing. Even though I've had great cancer healings. Great tumor dissolving. That's been more of. I, I would say more of the just the, the obedience to scriptures. Praying the prayer of faith. Mm-hmm. You know. And for me, it's kind of a hit and miss. I would honestly say maybe three out of ten is my is where I'm at. You know, John G. Lake says three out of ten is pretty good. You know, John G. Lake says you should count how many people you pray for, how many people get healed. You should be conscious of it, and you should seek to improve your goal. If it's one out of ten, two out of ten, three out of ten, you need to first know where you're at. What kind of results are you really getting? And then work on getting that, that higher. How many people do you lay hands on? Do they speak in tongues when you pray for them? I've seen a lot of pastors. They just can't do it. Me, it's about 100%. If I lay hands on you, you're, even people that don't want tongues, like that Chinese girl that came to our church with that guy. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. You know, we didn't even teach on that subject. It wasn't, but that's one of the giftings that I've cultivated because that's what I like. I like the tongues. I like the falling down. I, that's what I like, so that's what I went after. He likes the healings. He, when he sees whoever doing a miracle, he's like, you know, he gets really excited about it, you know. I like to see the falling downs, you know. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, maybe, maybe too, we, we tend to what resonates with you, what, like you like your religion and deliverance. It might be tied to the DNA that you have. Right. How God's called you and gifted mm-hmm. you, right. you know what I mean? It might be tied to your assignment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what you hunger for... Yeah, go ahead. So when you were saying that, um, I'll relate back to it. Let you go. I called a buddy of mine because I was driving the road. I had a pit in my stomach out of nowhere. I called him and asked him, what do I do about this? And he said, you know, when I was... Tell you what, just now that goes in my spirit. I was told you have three spears stuck through you, like a harpoon, is what he said. And then you said that, 
and I actually just made this note a second ago, and then you bring that up. It's kind of funny. Um, it's not funny, up. yeah. <laughs> Pastor, well, Pastor right. Dave said it. It's Holy Ghost. Absolutely. But I said, to practice deliverance, I need to first remove those fears, and then I correct, corrected it to, to fully practice it. I have to do that. Mm. So you brought that up as, as cool. Wow. But anyway, I want to share that. Well, you know. And the statement you made about believing for so many people, I just I downloaded an audible book. It was called uh, Anointed to Heal. It was, it's a conversation between Bill Johnson, uh, Randy Clark and Bill Johnson, where they're talking about their ministry. And they both had massive healing ministries. And they said, they go out in their service, and when you start the service, they say, they count how many people's there. Talk to me how many people is in it. 10%. Said 10% of you is going to be healed tonight. Oh, and interesting. To the number, to the actual number that they said get healed during the services. Wow, that's quite interesting. So they're they're conscious, humble enough to admit it's not going to be everybody. We preach, you know, a lot of our young, excited guys. Everyone tonight is going to be healed. And then we reshare their broadcast. We follow them and give them money. And, and, but do you know how many people that hurts? When you get up and you preach that, and it comes from the word of faith. That's where it comes from. Because the word of faith teaches you're supposed to teach that. But when you teach that, and then people walk away sick, what happens to them? They get discouraged. They lose their faith, you know. Even what happened with the Melissa and stuff, when, you know, she almost stopped believing in God. I had to really counsel her and walk with her through that and so on. You know, when you say that and then they don't get healed, they feel like maybe God doesn't love me. Yeah. Maybe God's not real. Maybe I'm in sin. They start thinking all these kind of things. And the fact of the matter is, most of the times, you know, I believe that the limitation on healings is not the faith of the people. Yeah. Because Jesus healed them all. Right. That's so good. I was listening to, um, I don't know if you know Kobus Van Rensburg from South Africa, teaching on how to heal the sick. He's probably one of the greatest healing ministers, I think. Yeah. But he was teaching and he was saying that the teaching ministers, when you go to heal the sick, it's your responsibility. They have no part in it. In other words, their faith doesn't matter because they never told us to go and heal the sick. They believe. You know, they told us to go and heal the sick. And he was just explaining this is faith. Is, their faith is not a factor. So never. So the people will say, oh, you don't have faith, believe a little bit wrong. That's wrong. When you go as a minister to heal the sick, you're there to represent Jesus. And it's your responsibility to heal the sick, no matter where they are in their faith. Mm. Which kind of like is the opposite of what... It's totally opposite of everything we've been taught. The thing that I've learned, and I'm learning, continue to learn, is God's beginning to use me more and more lately. And it's because... I'm developing a passion exactly. for people. If you don't have a passion for people, if you don't love people, right. it's not going to happen. Yes. If you're going to be seen, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. You've got to love people. and You've got to want them to be healed. Yes. That's what moved Jesus. Yeah. All throughout you see, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And there are many who just are moved with wanting to build up their mailing list and their partnerships and stuff. And Build the ministry, you know. This morning, the Lord gave me a word for the church we, we, we were in. And the word was that mercy and truth met together. And he said, my mercy endures forever. 
And my truth is the word of God. And the truth of the word of God is I'm a good God. I'm a God of goodness. And my goodness is here today to heal. And that service broke loose. Wow. Absolutely broke loose. Amen. Amen. And that's because of the compassion. Yeah. Jesus wants to heal everybody. Yeah. He wants to touch everybody. Amen. Were you say, Pastor? No, I was going to say, uh, the scripture you're quoting from the ministry of the Spirit, right? Galatians 3. Yeah. I think therein lies the secret for the ministry of the Spirit and the working of miracles. If you read that scripture, he says, um, if a man comes to you, you know, all foolish Galatians, how could you sorry in the Spirit, not in the flesh? Yeah. Can anybody be justified by the works of the flesh? Then he says, if a man comes to you and he ministers the Spirit, that's where we get that phrase, right? Yeah. If a man comes to you and he ministers the Spirit and works miracles, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Mm -hmm. Right? So he's telling them that well, someone ministers the Spirit doesn't do it by the works of the law by obeying the law, being perfect, right? Yeah. But he does it by the hearing of faith. Yes. So if you start, if you really look at what that term means, the hearing of faith, therein lies the secret for the miraculous and the ministry of the Spirit, right? Study, um, I think it's Acts 16, Paul goes to Lystra and he's preaching and then he perceives that the man has faith, right? And he tells him to rise up and walk. So the miracle didn't necessarily happen because he did anything. He was just preaching the message, the right message of faith that stood faith in that man, and then the miraculous happened, right? So sometimes what kills the ministry of the Spirit or kills the, the even the possibility of ministering with the miraculous is because you're preaching the wrong message. Yeah. You've got to preach the truth. You've got to preach that you free. Yeah, you got to preach the truth of the gospel. That produces faith, not just because you can preach your truth. Yeah, right. And if you tell people people are sinners, that's the truth, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh -huh. But it's not the message of faith. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? So, looking carefully at what you preach, or you go on stage and you criticize people. Oh, mm -hmm. You know, every every young pastor feels like they have something to tell the church. <laughs> oh yeah. What's wrong with the church? Yeah. Every, every minister has yeah. feels like they have they're there to correct something. Yeah. That's why we don't see any results. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because you're not preaching you're actually preaching unbelief to people and mm -hmm. God can't work with that. Yeah. But if you preach the message of the gospel of faith, how Jesus healed the sick and he can heal you today, yeah. or something like that. Doesn't make sense. That imparts faith in the spirits of people, Amen. then it creates room for God to move and heal the sick, even without your input, like what happened to Paul. Yeah, Galatians uh, 3, 1, 2, and 3. And while you're looking it up, I'll, I'll just reiterate what Cobus uh, talked about. Uh, so Pastor Augustine said that Cobus, who is one of the greatest healing ministers in the world, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he inspires so many great ministers. So many great men of God have come out of his ministry. He's a South African, South Africa. And... Uh, Sign you watch his healing services, it's just you know, and he has the results. I know people try and do like he does, you know, but Copus has the results, man. He, he, it's just amazing to see how he heal, how he heals the sick. You I know, I watched some, I watched some like this week, and this guy literally died in church, like he's while he's trying because they would bring the people who are about to die. 
they would bring him to the services. Yeah. He died. Like, it was so bad. He died. His, his wife was crying. He just died and they to get Wow. He has such a healing ministry that his followers uh, believed he would never die. They thought he would live in immortality. And he, he taught an immortality, but, uh, which is a, a biblical doctrine you can study. But uh, people thought he would never die because he had such a healing gift, you know. But obviously, I believe the Lord let him go so people would not idolize him. And, you know what I mean? Just like uh, who was the, the big prophet in the 40s, William Branham. People began to idolize him, worship him. That's why he left Philippines. In his testimony, why he left Philippines, because people began to worship him on the streets. They would come up to worship him because of all the miracles and the healings and, and so on. It's a very dangerous place to be. You know, remember it's not you. Yes. It's Yeah. But it's hard not to remember when when thousands of people are worshiping you. Practically, it's hard. You know. The flesh nature is very difficult. You know. Who? John Zally caused him to fall because he started thinking he was a prophet. Oh, Dowie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Dowie. It was Jesus and him doing it. And, uh, it, and it's, it's hard, especially for a young minister. We, we were in the revival for those eight months. I had to, every service, remind myself, it's not me. Mm. And I would even go out on the pulpit and I would say, anything that happens today is because Jesus. It's not because of me. It's nothing, nothing about me. It's about you. Mm. And I had to do that because it's easy to get caught up in that. Oh, yeah. Especially you feel that you you're feeling the anointing, you're feeling the power of God, you know. So you know it's, it's easy to, to to mix, you know, and start looking at yourself in a greater way, you know. But Cobus uh, said it's it's up to the minister, and I like what John G. Lake really brought it out scripturally. He said when Jesus healed the masses, he said, "Do you think there were people in that crowd that didn't have faith?" Obviously, in those crowds, there were people that did not have faith. Mm -hmm. But he still healed them all. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the, the, the faith of the people. Now, can people's faith get them healed? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. You know, so people's faith can get them healed. But when we're talking about a minister uh, preaching the gospel and, and, and ministering to the sick. You know, it's not dependent on the faith of the people. It, sh it shouldn't have to be. Yeah. And what we have done is we've created, a, we've created a ministry model for healing the sick where we've preached the word of faith so that they could get faith, so they could get healed, which is okay, but we haven't really taken the responsibility like some did, like Oral Roberts did, like some of the great A.A. Allen did. They really, A.A. Allen fasted for days yeah. to get that healing power. We have just tried to not pay the price for the healing power and put the pressure on the people to believe and teach the word of faith and then blame them when they don't get healed. But, and that's one model that can work, some will get healed. But if we would pay the price to operate in the full measure that Jesus said greater works you'll do, yes, he didn't say that you'll never be able to reach this level. You see this? This is because I'm the son of man. You'll never be able to reach this level. He never said that. He said the things that I do, you can do and greater. Yeah, exactly. So the door is wide open for us to take responsibility for the results we get. Mm -hmm. And when we put it on people, it hurts people, it hurts churches, it turns away people, it brings, you know, 
confusion and cognitive dissonance and it brings unbelief and it brings bitterness and people backslide. And this is why Tulsa is a backslidden city, you know. And we really, if we're going to be effective ministers, we got to sharpen our own tools, get good at our own gifts. And I like what Randy Clark, and that's, I never, I never seen anyone do that, what Randy Clark and Johnson did. They come out and say, today we're going to heal the sick, and the Lord said at 10%. They'd be honest about their, their results, 10%. That's one out of 10. Mm. And they had it, and they actually had it. I came out, I, I never done that before, but I've done that with the ministry of the Spirit. I, was, I got out in services and said, this many people are going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Because I had faith for that. Yes. I felt it in my spirit, I had faith for that. And not 200 people were touched, but the number that I called out were touched. Yeah. So they're doing that in the same way, but for the ministry of healing. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, you see how it all is kind of like cooking Italian food. Whether you make pasta or you make lasagna, it's the same basic ingredients. You know, it's just a little bit of tweaks to the recipe. You know, yeah. ones with noodles, ones without. You know, but it's a, it's the same ministry of the spirit. It's the same spirit that worketh all in all. So Galatians three one two three. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? Obviously, he's talking about them being uh, pushed into works, that feeling like they're going to be made perfect now by works. But the what Cobus or, 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 or you brought out I don't know if they'll talk about it, but you brought it out. Is one point that Paul makes here is that the receiving of the Spirit and even the ministry of the Spirit is not done by the works of the law, but it's done by faith. Verse 5. Yeah, and we can skip down to verse 5 because we're getting to the point uh, of what we're saying. He talks about then you also ministering it. So did you receive it by works? And then verse 5, do you minister it by works? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles. So those are different things. Minister the Spirit, worketh in miracles, and worketh miracles among you. Doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? We know that the gifts, the Bible says, come without repentance. So you get it by faith, you pay the price, you believe God, you get it by faith, you operate it by faith, and the Lord does not also take it away. Interesting enough, uh, I'm, I'm studying this book about the gifts of the Spirit, and the author, uh, you know the book, right? The author says that uh, it's, very, it's such a well-written book. I wish pastors wrote books like they used to. These guys that wrote books in 1920 and 1930... Amazing, the eloquency, the, the the meat, the richness, Kenyan, all these guys, the stuff out in the Christian market today is so weak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Re really, what it is today is the sermons that have just been manuscripted is what it is today. But those guys wrote back then, you know. And one of the things he said is that the, he proves throughout Scripture how the Holy Spirit doesn't change. And he said, that if the Holy Spirit doesn't change, how did the people before Pentecost, how did they operate in the gifts? Yeah. And he shows through scripture 
how they operated uh, they operated in the gifts through a loan. The Lord would loan them the gifts from the new covenant. So they would operate on it on a loan, but after they would operate on it, they it wouldn't remain with them. Mm. You know, it would come upon them and they would do it. But in the New Testament, they're not just given as a loan, but they're they're given without repentance. Which means that you can now work them. And now it's not based upon when God sovereignly comes upon you, but now it's based upon you working that gift that he's given you. Quite interesting. And then you find out those that aren't particularly working on it, they never do it. Waiting for God to sovereignly do it. But those who are actually working on it, they operate frequently in it. You know, those that seek it and work on it and cultivate the gifts. We are in an age of mega churches, but we're also in the age of the lukewarm church. This is where Jesus says, you say you're rich, you say you're prosperous, you say you're on fire, but you're really, you're poor, you're naked, and you're blind. So I encourage you to read these first four chapters, but there's 18 blessings, 18 blessings to the overcomer. 18 blessed to the overcomer in chapter 3. And to the overcomer, he promises that you'll eat from the tree of life. You'll get the crown of life. You'll escape the second death and the lake of fire. You'll receive the hidden manna, a white stone with a new name. You'll take part in the rapture, those who overcome. You'll have power over nations. This is something you can look forward to as you overcome. And why I want to teach next week on overcoming is because we need to give you the spiritual ammunition to overcome. We believe that all of you will be overcome. Mm -hmm. That you will not miss your destiny. That you will not fall to the wayside. That you will stay in your faith. You will stay relevant. You'll stay cutting edge. You'll stay pure. You'll stay in the battle. And that you will overcome. So here, here, are some, here are some of the things. You'll get power over nations. You'll you get the complete defeat of rebels. The morning star. These are all scriptures. And I'll, I'll, I'll go, we'll go verse by verse next week. You'll walk with Christ in white. Your name will eternally be in the book of life. Now, there are people, the Bible says, where your name will be taken out of the book of life. Wow. You know, so that means you could have been saved and have your name removed. There's a doctrine in the church, very famous Calvinist doctrine. It's also uh, in the Baptist churches. Once you're saved, you're always saved. But the scripture says that your name can be removed from the book of life. But to those who overcome, your name will be in the book of life eternally. That's in Revelation 3, 5. I'll teach this later on. Confession of name before God. God will, Jesus will confess you to the Father. You get a pillar. You'll be a pillar in God's temple. You are promised eternal abiding with God. Revelation 3, 12. God's name will be upon you. The name of Jerusalem will be upon you. And a new name will be given to you. And you'll receive an eternal throne and a kingdom. Very interesting. We'll look at that. These are the promises to those who overcome. So I want you to read for homework. Just study the first four chapters of Revelation. 
and we're gonna we're gonna give you some ammunition, and we're gonna also reflect on on th these churches here in the Book of Revelation, and uh, try to identify ourselves, not just the church across the street. <laughs> it's always easy when someone's preaching to say, "Oh yeah, that's you, honey." You know. <laughs> Oh yeah, that no, that's you, honey. You know, it's always easy when you're preaching to think of somebody else, right? But let's see if we can identify ourselves anywhere here in the first four chapters of Revelation, where Jesus writes a letter to the churches, to the seven churches. Amen. And we'll we'll get into this more next week. But we were sidetracked a little bit today, and I think it was good to kind of recap because Millennium is here. She, she hasn't been in our last several services, but I think we all got something out of it too, and we're all encouraged. And a question I have for you all, in light of what was really brought out by the Holy Spirit today, the question I have for you is you praying for people, ministering to people, what is it that you long to see? What resonates with you? Do you want to line them up and knock them down? Do you want to impart gifts, ordain leaders? Do you want to prophesy? Do you want to uh, do healings? Do you want to operate in the ministry of deliverance? What function of laying on of hands do you want to operate in? What resonates with you? And uh, I'd be curious for your feedback. So I'll ask you next week what it is. And uh, I think if you could really contemplate that, think about it, You'll understand yourself better. Like I think Clay's starting to understand himself. He's starting to understand his gifting, his calling. You know where he's curious. What you know? What kind of Christian books do you read? Are are signs of, you know, what you're called to. You know, the, the, you, you discover yourself through your through your interest, through what stirs you up, what puts you to sleep at church, what gets you excited. And uh, we'll be back here next week. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we just, we're digging in, Lord. On these Sunday sessions, we're digging in to their purposes, to their callings, to their giftings, to the anointings, Father God. We're digging in to their DNA. We're digging in, Father God, and equipping. And I thank you that even as we talk, you are unveiling. You are revealing to us the real you. You're showing them the real you. The, who they are. Not the real you as in God, but the real them. Who they are. What they're wired to do. What makes them alive. What doesn't put them to sleep spiritually, but what wakes them up, Father God. And you're speaking to that even now in this session this morning, God. Even now in this church service. Even now, God, in this prayer. You're breathing life into the living parts of their DNA. You're breathing life into their gifts. You're breathing life into their anointings. You're breathing life into the areas of this life and world and, and aeon, this age that they're called to speak to, that they're called to be relevant in. They would have been irrelevant if they were born a hundred years ago. So many people talk about, I wish I was born with the days of the apostles. I wish I was there. No, they would have been irrelevant at that time. Because they were created and born for this generation, for this time. And we declare their giftings, their callings, their anointings activated. We declare in Jesus' name a breaking away 
of all the chains and all the hurdles that distract them from operating in their ministry, from operating in their giftings, in their callings. And we thank you that everyone is operating in their design in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that everybody is operating in their design. And we ask you, God, to bring life into their design today. Breathe life, Holy Spirit, into their design today, God. Breathe life. We command their designs to live and not die. They shall fulfill everything that you've called them to do in the name of Jesus. In every other form that would try to, to conform them outside of their design, God. We pray it be destroyed by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And that Father God... We declare that you're drawing out their giftings, drawing out their callings, drawing out their anointings, Father God. And now we prophesy and speak structure around their callings, their ministries, their giftings. Create them, Father God, even when they seem to be nothing. Create structures and platforms, Father God, around their giftings and callings and purposes, Father God. And let them, Father God, be equipped and empowered to strike out powerfully in the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes in their field, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare that no Distracts them, dulls them from their Father God maximum impact in this generation. But that you bring them into a place where all things work together for them that love God and are called according to your purpose, Father God. For the main thing is that your purpose be fulfilled in their lives. That when Father God before Jesus returns, before they rest, Father God, until the resurrection, that they, Father God, are living according to your purpose in the name of Jesus. We prophesy, Father God, and declare the structures are being built in the spirit realm, Father God, that angels are executing destiny and purpose for everyone in this church, Father God. And this is a church of life. Life is being imparted and, 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 and great men and women of God are being risen up, are being raised up, Father God, to fulfill their fullest potential in the name of Jesus. And there is favor, there is victory, there is deliverance, there is salvation gone before every one of them in the name of Jesus we prophesy. And we thank you, Father God, for all these things. We pray today and invoke, Father God, the angels assigned to our ministries. We thank
thank you, Father God, that our ministry angels set forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. We commission and activate you today in the name of Jesus. We pray that your kingdom would come. We pray, Father God, that your kingdom would come in their lives, that their kingdom assignments would not tarry, but they would come, and that they would not live any other task, God, but your will would be done. What you have designed them to do and operate in, in Jesus' name. And Father, we declare and we decree it, and we give you thanks for it in the name of Jesus. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.